years ago, there was a uh, inspiring group of uh, children's books long before the days of Harry Potter written by C.S. Lewis uh, and was entitled The Chronicles of, of Narnia. You know it. Really, it's a, it's a moving, touching book. has so many spiritual applications. There's a lion there who's a central character. His name is Aslan. It is a very touching episode there in, uh, in, in one of the books where a young girl named Jill comes up and meets Aslan. She, uh, she's very thirsty and uh, she desperately needs some water. And so Aslan says, are you thirsty? And she says, yes. And he says, come and drink. She's a little uh, reticent about uh, this lion and she says, will you promise not to do anything to me? I make no promises, says the lion. Jill's so thirsty now, she's, she's inching over and taking a step and she looks at him and says, do you eat girls? <laughs> Aslan says, I've swallowed up boys and girls and men and women and emperors and kings and cities and, and realms. Oh my. I dare not come and drink, says Jill. Well, you will die. Jill, according to C.S. Lewis, inches a little closer and she says, I suppose I must find another stream. Aslan barely glances up and simply says, there is no other stream. This morning, if you are thirsty, there is no other stream than the living water offered to us through Jesus Christ and God alone. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water, of living water, welling up to eternal life. Eternal life, that sounds good, doesn't it? Living water, getting our thirst quenched, being able to, to have trust and security in, uh, you know, in our lives. Some weekends are just so full and they're full with, with, with many different ranges of emotions and things that you go through. On, uh, on Saturday, many of us, maybe close to a hundred, gathered around this little baptismal pool. It's plenty deep enough to go all the way down as we do as, just like they did in the New Testament. But uh, we, we had a singular experience and that is seeing Mike Jacobs baptized into Christ. 
Well, what a what a what an amazing amazing time! You know, uh, Daniel and Peter had become uh, disciples and baptized into Christ. You know, earlier, uh, 17 years ago, I think the Atkins and the Jacobs met each other when the boys were very young, and uh, Lori studied the Bible, and with that beautiful heart that we know so well, she became a disciple, and the last 17 years had been following Jesus with all of her heart, but might not so much. He, he, needed, he needed some time, okay, to be able to really review. He didn't plan on, on marrying this card-carrying Jesus follower whose life was changed and is dancing all around praising God right now. And besides that, Mike uh, came from a, a strong Jewish heritage and this whole matter of Jesus and, and all of these things, it just, it just didn't connect. But he faithfully was a great husband, great ma, a great uh, dad to his boys. And, uh, and, and kept coming to church willing to be exposed to uh, relationships and hearing the message of Jesus. When he was sharing up here, he, he was sharing that the hardest thing for him to give up was control. That's what Jason was talking to us about in his communion thoughts as we prepared, you know, for communion this morning. It was tough. And he said right here at this point in the sharing, he said, And I have decided to give up control of my life to Jesus Christ. And he said those magical words, Jesus is Lord. And he got wet and he got happy, but he's not thirsty. He's pretty excited. Wow, Mike, I hope you came to church this morning, you know. I'm there, <laughs> yeah. And of course the applause is not just for Mike, but it's just for, for God alone is the one who can really change hearts and really be able to meet our thirst. And it was very, it was very, very lovely. I wish everybody could have been here yesterday. It was way better than any sermon you're going to hear. Just tremendous sharing. And maybe we do have it taped and we'll be able to put it in some parts of it in some sort of form. And, uh, and then one of the, uh, the, the, the moms uh, in her 70s who was baptized three years ago and three years ago in three days I think to this day Joanne wherever you are okay Joanne she also came from a Jewish heritage and she was sharing uh, about her journey and congratulating you know Mike and of course all she could say at the end was Mazel Tov <laughs> which means of course great you know good luck and but most uh, importantly congratulations you know in uh, you know in that idiom and so can we all say to Mike uh, Mazel Tov you know <laughs> Congratulations, and what we're going to talk about this morning is another Jewish man. Another Jewish man who 3,000 years ago was dealing with stuff like that you and I deal with on a daily basis. He was, he, he was a man's man. He actually became, he was started off as a shepherd and then a warrior and then a, uh, a soldier and a king, King David. And he wrote some wonderful psalms, you know, and we're going to look at three of them this morning and try to zero in on why it's so important with everything going on in our life to focus on God alone. And so I invite you to turn to Psalm 62 then we'll look at Psalm 63 and briefly in Psalm 50. 
7. Psalm 62. Let's open up our Bibles right now. We'll put a few of these scriptures on the screen, but you can read and get the entire context as we, uh, as we go through some of this. Let's talk about our soul. Let's talk about the thirst that it has. Let's talk about the needs that we've got, you know, that must be satisfied. And we seem to try it in many different ways to try to, to accomplish that. But here in Psalm 62, here's what we read. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Uh, I don't really prefer the new international version, the latest version. It doesn't use the word alone or only and pretty much every other translation has either the word God alone or God only because that is the point here. That our lives, our soul, that those needs deep inside of us that, uh, that sometimes are very apparent and others acutely apparent, you know, to us can really only find their rest and their salvation in God alone. That's our key word this morning and that's what we're hoping will not only get intellectually but it can start getting down into our soul. I've got to look to God alone for many things in my life. And here's where I'd like us to go through these next few minutes and we'll summarize it again at the end. As we look at these various verses to be able to affirm and to say down from the bottom of our heart deep in our soul or at least getting deeper. God I need you. God I value you. God you are enough. Enough to satisfy me. Every day God is enough. To, that, de to that, that degree we all live on the edge. And then God, I will praise you. I'll praise you in a storm. I'll praise you on a beautiful day. I'll praise you when things are going great. I'll praise you when things are, are lousy in my life. But I will ultimately focus on you and praise you. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. We have been shaken this week, haven't we? We have been shaken. We've been shaken kind of uh, the last several months. Whether we're talking in our community, in our family, in our country, in our world. Yeah, it, there's some shaking that is really going on. And it's so tragic. You know, particularly when we're close and particularly when we know the people involved that are suffering so greatly, whether it's losing parents and, and even more tragically and horribly losing a child. We get shaken and there's plenty to get shaken about and the, the Roberts family absolutely needs our prayers it has far-reaching impact on several different congregations in our church family and you know in Athens and UGA and all of our swamp you know uh, uh, young men and women that have been been so connected in that you just get through these kind of things unspeakable sadness sometimes right particularly when it's not just a headline or a news broadcast and for me I just 
You know, for about half a day, honestly, even without knowing the Roberts family very well, but knowing there were four others in the car that just barely escaped, you know, with their lives intact, it just, it just, uh, you know, I was just kind of numb for half a day. And like all the energy drained out of me. You ever do that? You know, I know I need to think about, pray to God, pray for healing. I know that so many of you that are caregivers and in the middle of this, you know, it takes a heavy, heavy toll. I know, for instance, Steve and Terrell Brand, you know, over for the last several days, just pouring their life and their hearts out to the Roberts family. And so many of you as well. Yeah, and you, you look, why, what is going on? It's so, you know, it's unspeakable sometimes. Where do we look? Where do we go for strength? And if, that, if that's not enough, this thing continues to go on because just, you know, a day or so before, you know, on early Monday morning, here at the uh, uh, Publix in Roswell, the police discovered the dead and murdered bodies of two 17-year-olds. A student, Natalie Henderson, you know, from Roswell, you know, and then a, uh, you know, uh, a student from uh, River Ridge, I think it is, um, you know, were, were brutally slain and killed and uh, shot in the head. There was a vigil, I think, uh, Tuesday night, just where hundreds were gathering together in, in Roswell, and you're just going, what is going on? And last night, what, what, you know, one of our good friends, uh, Ben Casaza's roommate, you know, last year, was in another one of these accidents. Broke both shoulders, you know, several ribs. He's going to survive, he's going to be okay. But again, a nightmare. You know, what happens here? You can get fearful to get in a car. You can get fearful to see your friends drive off and get on a freeway. You can get fearful as a mom or dad. You can wonder, you know, what's going to happen to you. You really can't. It can, get, it, it can affect you not just in the way of being careful, but being anxious, fearful, anxiety. And where we need to go is to God alone and ask for his help and his direction and his, his, his strengthening in, you know, in our lives. <laughs> I remember... And, and all of us are susceptible to this. I remember when I was like a high school senior myself that uh, I had the same name as another kid in my high school. We had the same name. And it was, uh, it was, it was early summer and uh, uh, he drowned at the beach. And so there was no cell phones or Facebook or any of these kinds of, of things and the word started getting out that Tom Brown had died and drowned at the beach. And my friends and family just panicking, going crazy. I mean, there was no like cell phone. Hey, it's cool. I'm fine. You know, you don't want that. And it was like, wow. And that kind of, that kind of shook me up just a little bit. You know, hearing about that as well. Some of my friends in high school died from gunshot, you know, accidents while hunting or car accidents, that sort of thing. And then myself, my idiot 17-year-old self, after I graduated, decided to go get a fake ID and get a bottle of SIBO wine and drive down to the beach and go on a date. And then driving back, you know, passed out, turned around the car, going the wrong way on our freeway, ran a cop off the road and spent the night in jail. Okay, and then, so I'm sitting there in jail and the car had hit something. Obviously, I wasn't a Christian, didn't go to church at that time, just like a typical crazy kid. Okay, just not paying attention and not having spiritual borings in my life. But I did, because they told me, hey, listen, we're going to have to check on every hit and run. And, you know, for about a day, I didn't know, did I kill somebody? My, uh... My mom said, you got to go to counseling. 
all of this and I promptly said you know I am never going to drink again that lasted about a week and then it was I'm never going to drink and drive again that lasted another week and then it was never, I'm never going to drink a lot and drive and you know that was that was about it for my life but I did wonder was there a reason or a purpose why I survived praise God some people invited me to Bible talk a couple of months later as a freshman at the University of Florida okay and to figure that that out but but this stuff absolutely happens and we need to in every way that we possibly can rely on God a genuine relationship with God so we're not an idiot okay and we're not stupid and don't get into things that we shouldn't do and then also so we can have the proper kind of prayer cover protection and everything we could ask God for with our families and for our world but it, it actually comes from God alone because worrying will not get anything done anxiety will really not get anything done we the thing is we God alone is our rock he is our fortress I will not be shaken sometimes we do get shaken you know we don't get knocked out but we do get shaken up and it like is so important to do what even David who had a lot going for him and a lot of control and a lot of ability to influence situations he just realized man my soul I gotta find my rest and my strength and my protection in God alone do you know this is actually a song and as we know the book of Psalms in uh, you know for the last 3,000 years has been a song book of sorts you know is written with the deep expressions of praise and agony and crying out to God and confusion sometimes and and, and, and gratitude that comes toward God and it's it's a beautiful wonderful thing but it's also meant to be sung there's a song I think that a few of us have sung in the past you know on this uh, I don't know if we know it but you, you need to look at these things and kind of realize they're actually songs to God God alone God alone my God alone God alone my God alone now that wasn't fancy but that's kind of what it is it really wasn't that good except the point you know whether you quote it memorize it hum it sing it rap it whatever it is imprint it on our heart don't be such a tough guy you can't follow one of the greatest kings and men after God's own heart in history a man after God's own heart God alone find rest oh my soul find rest in God alone my hope comes from him you know you find rest and you find peace Psalm 23 by from the Good Shepherd you find it and he makes you lay down and he makes you go to sleep and he leads you and he walks with you in the valley of the shadow of death he does he's the shepherd he's in control we're not 
He's the one we lean on. He's the one we focus on. He's the one we plead with. He's the one we cry out to. He's the one we submit to. He's the one we appreciate. He's the one we value. He's the one we need. He's the one we sing about. He is God alone. You know, it's, uh, we do get knocked out, knocked down. We do, we do uh, struggle for what's the purpose and stuff. And then we do wonder, every single one in this auditorium wonders, why is something going on in my life? Right? I'm asking for this. I'm asking God for this or that. And I'm getting, it seems like something different. We'll ultimately go to the Bible. But when you need some backup, go to uh, Morgan Freeman. Because he's usually pretty good about this. <laughs> We're going to watch a little video clip now from Evan Almighty. And Morgan Freeman, obviously playing, you know, the God type role here, is going to give a little bit of advice about how God works. Let's see if we can cue this up. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them? Good enough to see it twice. And then he goes on and, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman says, and then, you know, what happens? We, uh, we change the world. A lot of you are familiar with uh, something that was written a couple hundred years ago by an uh, unidentified soldier in the Civil War. It was a tragic time. A lot of confusion. A lot of questions. A lot of suffering. A lot of pain. And this unknown soldier wrote, I asked God for strength that I might achieve, and I was made weak that I might obey. I asked for health so that I could do greater things. I was given infirmity so I could do better things. I asked for riches that I could be happy, and I was given poverty so I could become wise. I asked for power so that I could have the praise of others. I was given weakness that I might feel my need for God. I asked for all things that I could enjoy life, and you know, I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I actually received nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. My prayer was answered. I am most richly blessed. This is what Morgan Freeman was trying to get at in that, that little movie clip. We pray, we ask for stuff, we want it, but God alone does in fact give us what we need at that time and we need to rely on that in a very, very deep and meaningful way. Trust in him at all times, all right? Uh, 
it, you people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I actually think that's Psalm 62, if you still have your opening. Pour out your hearts to him. Yeah, we trust in God. We absolutely, that's bedrock in our faith. We trust in God. But did you know, and we talked about this in the last few weeks from time to time, you also need to, and it's right and it's healthy to pour out your heart to him. To let him know how you're feeling, what you're doing. Now you got to work through that and eventually get back to trust in God. But you see it in the Psalms, you see it in David. You know, pouring out your heart, giving, you know, giving God, you know, just, just what is really, is, is, is David said in Psalm 51, the truth in your inner being, being able to express that. A lot of you guys know uh, a man named Tom Jones. He's, he's had a lot of impact, you know, and influence over several decades in, uh, you know, in our churches. And he's a very mature brother, a, uh, a great writer, helped head up DPI one time. It's been in the ministry, is, is, is an excellent counselor and teacher. But he also has suffered a lot in recent decades with a very serious bout with MS. And he was, he was originally dealing with this and he was in Boston and, and, and he wrote this. He said, I remember sitting in our basement uh, couch and in Concord, uh, Massachusetts, and writing out a simple description to sum up the challenge of life. And he said, and I boiled it down, I later actually gave a message to some people about this, and he had four points. I'd like to run them by you, okay, and see if there's any intersection in your life and in your experience. He said, number one, life is hard. You remember Clubber Lang and his prediction to Rocky? pain. Life is hard. It's challenging. You got to work. Got to work hard. You do suffer. You go through pain, but in the right spirit and with the right heart and certainly with God alone being with you, it can be very powerful. It produces character. It moves you in a little different direction. It helps you get toward even a greater purpose for God in your life. Life is hard, Tom Jones said. And secondly, he said, it's not too hard. Can you affirm that? You know, don't be elbowing your husband or wife. See, he said it. it's not too hard. Life is hard, but it's not too hard. And thirdly, it is good that it's hard. Uh, yeah, great, right. And number four, we can rejoice even when it is hard. It's kind of what Jason was getting at with his take on, uh, as a physical therapist, on pain versus suffering. I mean, so almost everybody goes through tremendous pain and grief and loss at times in their life. I mean, one of the greatest American, you know, heroes and influences that any of us uh, relate and are inspired by still today, Abraham Lincoln went through his own horrific loss and horrific pain. I'm not talking about losing a few elections or losing some money or an investment. He, he, the dear love of his life, Ann Rutledge, you know, they were looking forward to this wonderful future together and in 1935, 1835 she got malaria and she died. He was so absolutely, completely devastated. They found him wandering around in the Illinois woods, you know, incoherent and rambling and just talking to himself. He had a very, very, very challenging time coming back from that. He did eventually recover. Grief haunted him, but faith did sustain him, as he writes. The pain actually, in some ways, made him strong. And some of the hard lessons that he learned, he was able to navigate our country through the horrors of a civil war and to begin 
began to get back on their feet again. A fellow named St. Bartholomew many years ago said, many of us spend our whole life running from, from feeling with the mistaken belief that you cannot bear this pain. But you've already borne the pain. What you have not done is feel all you are beyond the pain. And, 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 and to me, this reminds me of one of my favorite, you know, you know kind, of, kind of reflections and, and moments in, in history, at least in art. Because there are, a couple of, there are a couple of painters that were very tremendous close friends. You know, uh, name, you'll uh, immediately recognize Renoir. And you'll also be able to, uh, some of you know a little bit more about this stuff, recognize the name Henri Matisse. They were very close friends. They shared a lot of interest in art, in color, in beauty. And and, and spent a great deal of time together. One, one of the real challenges, you know, there with Renoir is he got a very, very severe case of arthritis. And if you've gone through that, it's rough. And some of us just are getting older, you know, like your joints can get a little funky. Okay, even a point where it's hard to open up a cap, you know, on that. But if you get really severe, it can totally cripple you. And, and, and Renoir was pretty close to that place in his life. And he was in excruciating pain often, and he would still paint. And his friend, Henri Matisse, many times would, would, would go, why are you doing this? Why do you keep putting yourself through this? Just chill. You've done a lot of beautiful things, you know, in the past. Why are you going through this? And he simply told his, his, his friend, and it's, it's recounted, you know, uh, in several different places. He simply said, the pain passes, but the beauty remains. The pain will pass. The pain does, in fact, pass for the most part. But the beauty, if we keep on going and don't give up, turn in, check out, numb out, amazing things can happen and they're like just a gazillion examples in history of this but in our own lives and our friends around us. And so when the Bible says find your rest in God alone, he's your fortress, he's your strength, pour out, yeah pour out your heart you know to him but find your strength in God alone. Figure out how to grow in that each one of us and for our prayers to become more powerful and our suffering and pain that we do go through to be more redemptive and guide us toward this purpose in, you know, in our life. You see, as we go on in Psalm 63, and you can look over, you know, at the other side of your page and see this, David goes on and he tells us, he, he, he helps us to appreciate the fact that with God, He's still earnestly seeking God. He's looking for God with all of his heart. He says, I'm thirsting for you, God. I'm thirsting. I'm longing for you. I'm clinging to you. It's, it's our way of saying, seek God's kingdom with all your heart. It's like saying, love God with all your heart and all your strength. But baby, it's more about really earnestly and continually seeking God. My whole being longing for you as in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Why is this important? Why is this so important? To realize, even if you're quite an accomplished person on your own, that ultimately, God alone is the source of fulfillment in our lives. Everybody's, including mine and yours. St. Augustine said once 17 centuries ago, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, O God. 
Every, every, every single person in this room, myself included, when we get away from this, we get restless. We get nervous, we get anxious, we get funky, we get ADD'd or whatever, whatever initials we got, it starts getting worse, okay? That's what happens. But when we stay focused and we do things like quiet times, remember? Quiet times, walks with God, prayer with friends, meditation, music, singing, all kinds of things in this crazy amped up world that can, that can totally disappear in our lives. When we do that, we in fact will find rest. My soul yearns and it faints for the courts of the living God, the psalmist says in Psalm 84 and verse 2, which actually simply, you know, leads us to this next thought. God, we value you because he says your love, what is it? Your love is better than life. I don't know if you feel that way this morning. You may, you may not. That's where we want to get to if we really want to have a full, rich, enjoyable, peaceful, great life. With God filling us up, leading us, but you know, you got to work on that. It's called growing spiritually, you know, in our lives. This is how, how the psalmist put it in Psalm 84 as you go on from that verse I was quoting. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Do you remember that, some of you, that passage? And because he's saying, I value you, God. I value you being in your family, in your church, in your kingdom more than if they just elect me something or give me something or give me more money or give me more power or a raise or something more comfortable. I value that. I'd rather just be, you know, passing out these newsletters, being a parking lot attendant, putting together the communion cups, you know, coming, picking up the trash, vacuuming, cleaning out the toilets in your kingdom than anything else. We're not all naturally there, right? We got to grow or get back to that. But that's where a tremendous amount of freedom and a tremendous amount of peace, you know, really resides in, you know, in our life. I do think we need to ask sometimes, am I satisfied? Am I satisfied? David says, my soul is satisfied. Is God enough to satisfy you and me? Is it? You stripped everything else down. Is that enough? That's what we need to work on and get there. Be able to stay there. And my singing lips, you know, I'm going to praise you on my bed. I'll remember you through the watches of the night because you are my help in the shadow of your wings. My, my, my right hand, uh, your right hand sustains me and holds me up. Psalm 57, we'll just hit some of these quickly. I really hope, hope that you will. It's very simple to find in your Bible. Psalm 62, 63, 57. You got to marinate yourself in this and really think about it. Pray about it. Zero in that God, I need you. God, I value you. God, you are enough to satisfy me and I will praise you. I will sing to your name. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on you for my soul takes refuge in me. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster passes. The disaster will pass. The, the pain will pass. The beauty will remain. You know, Tom, what are you saying? Get over it? 
you're going through hard times, is it get over it? No, it's lean into it. Lean into it. Feel it deeply. Grief is a wonderful thing, a necessary thing for everybody to go through. It's a part of that healing process. You see it in the Bible. Experienced counselors understand it. We help each other with this. No, it's not just get over it. Lean into it and to be able to find hope on the other side and our purpose. I'm not good at this. All my close friends know I have a default position which is ignore, avoid pain. Get out of Dodge. Crawl into a cave. I don't like leaning into pain. I don't like grief that much. That's my natural default, you know, position. I got to boast in my weakness at this point, okay? I've grown a lot in it. I need to keep growing in because it makes me a deeper person, not a superficial person. And all of us have got to work on this, okay? Not get debilitated by pain and suffering, but not also just, you know, run away from it. And get away from what uh, God is actually trying to do in, you know, in our lives. I cry out to you, Most High, for your purpose in my life. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. I will make music, <laughs> you know, for you. This is a tremendous thing, you know. He says, I'll awaken the dawn, you know. I'm going to sing. I'm going to praise. It's just, I mean, this is where you get to. When you work through these things, you get to singing and praying. Yeah, this is David the Goliath killer here, gang. Guys, this is the Goliath killer. This is the great soldier who says, I can sing and praise God. Don't you love it when you see old codgers in the church singing out? Frank Santos is sitting in the back and his brother's visiting from the Northeast. I bet you're not used to seeing this grizzled old guy singing, you know. And I love standing by Frank. He's out singing out loud. You know, men, real men, sing and praise. It doesn't have to be good. Make a joyful, you read it, but you sing. Jump every once in a while. You don't have to be around people. Do it in a shower. Do it in an empty lot. Praise your God. Sing, meditate on the watches of the night, and then be able to thank God for all he's done. This we deeply need in our lives as well. And no, it's not impossible to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. It's just that we got to focus on God alone. Okay, so what do we do here as we wrap it up? We just say, God I need you. I don't want to be too contrived, but it wouldn't hurt us to say, God, I need you. Whether you say it up out loud or not. God, I value you. This is this one right here. God, you are enough to satisfy me. And God, I will praise you. I will praise you. You know, we're gonna we're actually gonna close out our service. With the same song we did before the sermon called My God is Awesome. And we want to try to sing it with even deeper meaning. We use the word awesome a lot, right? Awesome job, bro. Awesome shot. You know, whatever, okay. We realize that's a little trite. But what is awesome about us is that God is our God. My God is awesome. And that is awesome.